Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour, special Mardi Gras season edition. You might notice our new bumper music, something we thought we'd try, at least through the Mardi Gras season. Hey, if you got a question or comment, why don't you go and give me and Brian a call? It's 291-6901. And I see we've got a few of our lines already lit up. Let's right. go to line with Tom. Good morning, Tom. Yes, fabulous show and website, I just want to say. Well, thank um, you. But I have two questions about trans service, transmission okay. service, you and cooling service. Mm-hmm. And I have a... 2007 Toyota Corolla, mm-hmm. the A245E transmission. Okay. And so coming up this spring, I'm going to change the you know the filter of the screen. Yes, sir. And, mm-hmm. and the fluid, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tighten the valve body bolts. Right. Put a new gasket in the, the pan and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, um, do you recommend also the drain plug, a new gasket for the drain plug? I would. It's not going to hurt anything. You're going to have it off anyway, and the alternative is, to not changing it is it could leak after you've done servicing the unit. I would go ahead and, and do it, those especially are, if you got time to, to do it now. Yeah, and those are less than a dollar, I think, for that drain Gasket. from Toyota. So, right. yeah, it's sort of an irrelevant cost just for cheap insurance. We don't always change them necessarily, but you're doing it yourself. really don't have a whole lot of money invested anyway, and you're right there. You sure right. hate, oh. sure okay. hate to put it all back and have a little drip there. <laughs> Yeah, Got it. Okay, and, yeah, before I started listening to your show, mm-hmm. I just used the old gasket, and I had no problem with it, or, right. you know, the old plug gasket. Mm-hmm. Right, and most of those will reuse pretty well, but now that you have time, and it's probably been out several times, it wouldn't be a bad idea to go ahead and change it while you got it out. Okay, sure, um, no problem, and I won't say the brand name, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to be just the same as OEM, maybe you've heard of it. Do you, what do you think of that brand? You're talking about or, on your engine coolant? No, on the... Trans filter. Oh, and transmission filter. Toyota does not make their own filter. They have right. it made for them. We use a brand called Filtran, and those are really, really good. They make a lot of the OEM filters. Most of the filters are going to be good as long as it's not one of those internet $6 filters that came from India somewhere. Almost any of the name brand filters, I think, are going to be adequate. Okay, yeah, this one is supposed to be uh, mm-hmm. sourced from the same place as the OEM. It could very well be, and they may make it for Toyota. You never know. Toyota doesn't manufacture that stuff, but they do issue a specification to a company, and it's built to their specs, just like every other car company. Your car companies design cars and assemble cars, but they don't make the components. They buy them out, and the difference between OEM parts and aftermarket parts, you got to watch a little bit because sometimes they'll say, well, we make the original part. Well, yes, you do, but you don't make it to the same standards as you make your aftermarket part. Generally, if you watch the price on anything, if it's somewhere around 30 40% less than the OEM, you probably got a pretty good part. If it's one-tenth of the OEM price, there's just not that much markup in auto parts. Something's not there. Not there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm confident with uh, that one then, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Now, as for the cooling mm-hmm. system, when I changed the fluid two years ago or two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. I had to do it twice because, you know, and then I drove around for a week and then right. I did it again because when I tried to drain the the engine block, you know, with the little drain mm-hmm. cock at the back, uh-huh. just a few drips came out of it. So I'm thinking maybe there was some sediment and it could just, be, could very it, well be. It blocked it from coming out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking this time, if I got my air compressor and put it up to like 15 PSI and I mm-hmm. pressurized the system with the drain cock open, do you think it might come out for the block then? Or Well, and it's even less obtrusive than that is you might just take the little drain cock completely out and take a piece of wire or something and just kind of probe in there a little bit and see if you can't break it free. Okay. Or take your blowgun and blow back through that hole. Right. 
because you got to watch a little bit when you put that much pressure on the system. It could technically damage the heater core or something, which would be a major, major, major problem for you. Oh, oh yeah, for sure, right. I would okay. probably rather blow back, just blow it into the cooling system, and then when it comes out, it'll flow back out anyway. Or just take a little piece of wire. Don't get crazy with it, but if you just poke around in there, you could probably break up the sediment, and it should come flowing out. And with the pressure of the water, it's all going to come out anyway. Okay, so basically you think it's just sediment in probably there. Probably is. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then if all of it comes out of the block and everything comes out of the radiator, then mm-hmm. like two jugs of the Toyota, original Toyota pink coolant, the, the long life. Yes, sir. Uh, super should, super should long go, life, they call that. Super one. long, right, super mm-hmm. long life. Should go back in, no problem, That's right? correct, and that's right. already and that's, pre-mixed, so you don't have to worry about mixing it or anything. Yeah, perfect. Oh, okay, good. That's what I was wondering. So okay. instead of it doing it twice, hopefully I can just have to do it once Well, this great. Time. Okay, fabulous. Right, okay, Tom, Where are you calling from, Tom? I'm calling from Toronto. Oh, all right. <laughs> Not to be confused with the other guy who calls from Toronto. <laughs> well, that would explain the waiting till spring to get something done. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's cold up here, so uh, now it's time to buy stuff and wait for the oh, good yeah, weather. Oh, yeah, there you Stock go. Stock it up and wait. <laughs> right, you got it. All right, okay. Tom, thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. We would absolutely love to have you. And we're going to phone lines. Wayne, good morning, Wayne. Good morning, I have a F-150 2001 uh-huh. with a 4.2 liter engine. Okay. And up until recently, it has been starting right, but I noticed about a year ago it would turn over a little bit more before it started. Okay. And so, but it don't do it every time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it starts normally, and sometimes it turns over more than it should. Correct. And, and last week I was in the middle of Denham Springs, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and I just turned the thing over about 12 times, and it never did catch, so uh-huh. I quit grinding the starter yeah, good and idea. tried it again, and, and it caught on about the sixth turnover, mm-hmm. and thereafter, it started properly. Mm-hmm. Ever since that time, it hasn't acted up anymore, and I'm thinking I'm probably going to bring it in to you mm-hmm. to get a diagnosis of some sort because I'm concerned that it might leave me stranded Well, one yeah, day. it's not going to get any better for sure. Yeah, and so I was wondering what Mike could cause that. Well, that's almost always a fuel system problem of some sort, Wayne, and a diagnosis always starts with a fuel pressure test. Now, there's two or three things in the fuel system that can cause that. One is the drain back valve in the fuel pump can get weak, and so it allows the fuel to flow back to the tank when you turn the car off. Because the tank is lower than the engine. Right. So gravity breaks the, the fuel back to the tank without that little valve in there to keep the pressure on the on the system so when you go to start it you got to cycle the key a few times before it can push it back up now a secondary thing that we've seen on fords occasionally is you can have an injector that is starting to leak and what happens is that injector when you turn it off the pressure on the fuel rail leaks into the engine and it kind of floods the engine so you have to crank it until it clears out So those are the two most common things. Most of your Ford trucks do not have a fuel pressure regulator. If it had a regulator, then the fuel pressure regulator diaphragm can also rupture, which does the same thing as an injector leak, and it just floods the engine. So those are the kinds of things that I'd be looking for, and those would show up on a fuel pressure test. Now, if the fuel pressure is perfect, does not drop off or any of that, then we can forget all that. There are some things in the ignition that can cause it, but they're far more rare. Most of the time, we find that is a fuel system type issue well i appreciate that i'm gonna be bringing it to you okay and i'll see you sometime next week that sounds great thank all you right. bye-bye mm-hmm. all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to follow the automotive i would absolutely love to have you 
And we're going to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Louis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Louis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> ho, 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 Louis. Fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And, of course, got our new bumper music in celebration of the Mardi Gras season. There you go. It's early this year. It is. February 9th, I 9th, think, is yeah. Mardi Gras Day. And a lot of folks around the country may not know about Mardi Gras. Right. Really understand about Mardi Gras. But right. It's sort of like the Super Bowl, Oktoberfest, and World Series all. All put together. And a rock concert. All there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it starts January 6th which is King Day, the end of the 12 days of Christmas. So it starts on the 6th of January and runs through to, it's 41 days before Easter. Right. It always, you have 40 days of Lent and then Easter. Right. And it's always, it always falls before Easter. So it, it varies between somewhere between early February and early March. Right. Easter set by the church based on, I think it's the first Sunday following the Paschal moon. Something, yeah, something, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it can yeah, anywhere from early February to late March. Right. And this year it's early. Uh, yeah, a little bit earlier. Gives, it, us, gives us a little less time to eat uh, king cakes. Eat king cake. And, of course, for people who don't know what a king cake is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's, giant filled donut with, sorta. with toppings on it right, of, between, of various kinda flavors. Kind of somewhere between a cookie, a donut, and a cake. Or a tea cake. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. and it, it, It's actually a, a entity all its own. Yeah, that's it. It's nothing like it. But I like the ones at the cake cafe over oh. on Spain Street in the Marigny. That's, yeah. that's my favorite because it's... It's sort of like a tea cake. Okay. And, of course, they got an apple goat cheese. They got a raspberry cream cheese. Well, now you're getting, yep. now you're getting off the, the beaten track. There you go. There you go. I may have, <laughs> I may have to bring one of those to work Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if, uh, if you've never been to Mardi Gras, then that is. It is something to see. Something to see. It's, yeah, it's, it's if, worth a trip down by itself. <laughs> if you ever get the chance, at least once in your lifetime, yep. you need to come see Mardi Gras. There you go. In New Orleans. In New Orleans. That's right. <laughs> Let's go to our phone line with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. I want to ask you a question about the filter on the air conditioner. I got my Honda. It's got an obvious square pleated filter there. Uh -huh. but my wife's Taurus 2011. Yeah, all I can find is a bag. Looked like heavy coffee filter with maybe some kind of granules in it, but jammed between the look like the blower suction and whatever that plastic is down below. Yeah. Uh, that can't be it, can it? Well, it the could Taurus, be. The Taurus may not have one. Yeah, it okay. may not have a cab. That may be some kind of inlet filter. I'm just not sure. I'd have to look the service data, Herb. I'm just not real sure. But everybody uses their own Yeah, it's design. kind of a pain. It's kind yeah. of like an air filter for an engine air filter. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different design, different filtration. Yeah, some of them are round, some yeah, of them right. are flat, some of them are oval, all yeah, kinds just, of different things. But if it's got some kind of a filtering mechanism, and it's going to go out in time, so it wouldn't be a bad up. idea. It's going to—that's what filters do. They're sacrificial elements. Yeah. So it but wouldn't be a bad idea. It looks like it. I feel like I'm if I don't get something to pry between the two pieces of plastic, I'm going to tear it all to pieces getting it out. Then I'll have uh, a mess. You shouldn't have to pry anything. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Okay. Well, get it out. Send an email on my website, and I'll see if I can look it up for you okay. and get you a little better. Yeah, I, I'd hate to see you tear something yeah. up in, yeah. in there trying to get something out that doesn't come out. Yeah, part okay. of the case it may, <laughs> Right. It may be just to keep vibration racket out. Well, it now, could I, be. I have seen on some of the doors, when they close, there mm-hmm. is a plastic piece that could be mistaken as a filter on the back of it. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it's there to seal another door when it closes the other way. Or, for or if it's for vibration. Sound. Or I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure what it's actually for, but it's not a filter. Right. Okay. Because I know back when Chevrolet first came out with the filters in their pickup truck, right, it was a regular flat filter, right. And then along two thousand three, they quit year. using them. Yeah, mm-hmm. just flat quit using them. The next year didn't have them. Yeah, two thousand four does not have one because people weren't changing them, and so mm-hmm. they just quit putting them. Okay, dope. All righty. Well, I had a I had a Ford truck at work and it got, drove on dirt road all the time, mm-hmm. and it got so choked up the air conditioner wouldn't work. So oh well, yeah, and you know those can cause a lot of grief because if it restricts enough, it blocks the flow to the evaporator core. And yeah. what happens there is that when the liquid enters the core, it does not flash off fully to a gas. And mm-hmm. if it goes through the core and fills the accumulator, it returns to compressor tears the compressor up. Mm-hmm. So you can end up losing an AC compressor if they get restricted enough. Also, you can shorten the life, you blow and all that. So they do need to be replaced. It's a great idea because if you don't have it, it just does the same thing with the evaporator core. And it just plugs it. Plugs yeah, it I've up seen some of the, of the ones without filters and the evaporator core would plug up. Well, now you got to tear the whole dash out to fix it. Yeah. Well, it was since it wasn't my truck, I stuck a water hose down the air conditioner vent <laughs> and I flushed it for a while. And, uh, Shame on old, you. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't crank for two days, but I, it, it worked. You know? <laughs> You're all right, I'll, I'll any part of the storm, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'll let y'all go. All right, all right sir. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Cabin filters, I've seen them in all different states of being plugged up. I yep. pulled one out the other day. You couldn't even see the pleats in it. Right. It had so much stuff. Over. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I attempted to throw a few kernels of corn in it yeah, if I couldn't grow a, prob- a stalk or two. Yeah, that's right. You probably could have went ahead and started a little flower garden right oh, there. sure. Got enough organic material in it. Yeah, they get extremely dirty, and I think most of the companies recommend replacing those by every 15,000 miles. Right. Some of them are real easy to get to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just open the glove box and open the door, and they're right there. Right. Some of them are a lot more difficult. I know a few of your Honda products, you have to cut right. part of the reinforcement for the dash out the first right. time you change it. Well, that's because when, they, when they ship the dash, they needed that reinforcement exactly. in there to... To hold from, everything together. Yeah, and once it's bolted in the car, it's no longer necessary, So, but it falls right across that cabinet op- filter opening, so you have to cut that little piece of plastic out, and then you can get to it right. after that. So, And people are kind of nervous about cutting oh, that I know. out, but <laughs> I know. that's Honda's fix. So <laughs> let's go back to the phone lines of Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, top of the morning. I got two questions. You bet. 2011 F-150. Uh-huh. The, the seat heaters and coolers, are those electric or air? How do they work? The, the you talking about the the seat heaters? Yes, sir. Those I is believe. It a fan? I'd have to look I up. Would, I'm, I'm I pretty. Seen I'm one. pretty sure that that is not a fan. I think those work on an electrical call. I know GMs work on an electrical call system, and they're all fully electrical. 
I have the prep rate at sea. So yeah. When air physically comes out? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, if air is physically coming out, then it's part of the regular HVA system. It's just ducts and an actuator to make it work. It, it's not a separate system. It works off the regular HVA system. So you're saying that the heat and the cooling works off the AC that system? That is correct. It yes. just comes up the console and it has an actuator that can duck it towards or away from that. That's the way rear air and heat works. I'm sure it's the same setup. So if one of the seats isn't working, what would your guess be? That Probably that it? actuator is not opening, not opening the, the door. door to let it flow in. Second question, Bluetooth. Have y'all worked on Bluetooth and the floors had issues with them? What's your opinion there? Not really. Kind of falls between the cracks of especially like an audio shop and a mechanical shop. We just really hadn't had any requests for it. I mean, it wouldn't be more difficult, I think, as long as you got the forward scan tool to diagnose that and anything else. But I just hadn't had any come in with a problem. Okay. We do appreciate it. Thank right. you all. All right. Thank you, Ben. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I'd love to have you on the yeah. show. I've noticed we've been getting a lot more technical-type questions lately. Hey, you know, Bluetooth and... Well, they've been dumping the out on there for probably about 10 years now, so it's all about the time getting it's to a start. point where it's going to start giving problems. And I was thinking about that this morning, and I was watching a commercial today talking about they got Wi-Fi uh-huh. in this new vehicle, and that's great if you can use it and all, I guess. But at some point, they're going to move on to the next thing, and that Wi-Fi is going to be like an 8-track. Exactly. In your vehicle. Exactly. <laughs> be just it's about just... as useful as an 8-track player because the world will have moved on. And, and you're stuck with that technology now in this vehicle. Yeah, and whether it works or whether it doesn't work, and if it does work, what you can do with it. It's going to be limited for sure. Yeah, those sorts of things I feel are better in the realm of an add-on type accessory because you can buy like a, a Wi-Fi base, put it in your vehicle if you want, and those are really inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I want to say 50 60 bucks or less, and when it breaks, you throw it away. Right, it's kind of like the one at home. Yeah, as opposed to what you buy in the vehicle. That's integrated that into everything. may cost a couple thousand bucks to repair. Yeah. yeah. I say that same thing with, like, the navigation system. Sure. You can buy a jam-up Gorman for about 89 bucks. Move it from car to car. You only got one to update. Exactly. When you Plug it in the, in the vehicle, yeah, it's a couple thousand dollar option, and then you got to update one in each car. If you're not in that car, you still don't have it, and then when it breaks... It's two, three thousand bucks to fix. Sure. So we had a Honda come in the other day, and the navigation system right. was down. They towed the car in because it wouldn't run. Right. The whole screen was just yeah. blanked and had it, it a actually, warning mess. I think the hard drive had gone out in, and it was obscenely expensive. But it had to be fixed so the car would run. Yeah, I just soon buy a Gorman, and like I said, when it breaks, throw it away and go get another one. Exactly. <laughs> Much easier. Let's go back to our phone lines, Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I've got an O2 Chevrolet Silverado. Okay. Uh, Good truck. Three-quarter three quarter ton. Mm-hmm. And my clock light and my dash lights won't come on at night, and they come on in the daytime. Okay. And I'm wondering where I can go get it checked, or can y'all do that? Or oh, yeah, go? we can check that for you. All of those go through a little dimmer switch on the dash. That dimmer switch may have gone bad. Now, have you tried turning that little dimmer switch up? Yeah, I've got that turn it off, turns it off, down, and doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, because I know what will happen a lot of times, people don't even realize there's a little thumb wheel on there separate from the regular switch. Yeah. And they never fool yeah. with it, so it's always fine. They go somewhere, and somebody reaches over and accidentally pushes it down. They don't know it's turned down, and they're all off for that reason. We see that a lot. 
So just That's make sure that fine, little, yes, little round wheel. That little switch could have gone bad. That if they all went out at one time, I doubt it is the bulb. You know, the bulbs can go out also, but it wouldn't all go out yeah, at one but time. Yeah, it. it comes on. It comes on when the sun shines on. You get out in the daytime and night. I can't see my clock in my day. Okay, it comes on during the day. Yeah, it comes on. Okay, well then there's a yeah. sensor that tells it when it's day and night. And during the day, it has a much brighter setting. At night, it's supposed to dim down. So it could be something in that setting because if it came on at daylight intensity at night, it would blind you. So right. it automatically dims those lights down. And that little dimmer circuit may have, have a problem in it. The little sensor, Just, yeah, maybe, yeah, the sensor could be bad, something in there. Because if the daytime's working, you know all the bulbs and all that are working. You know the dimmer switch yeah. is working. Yeah, right. So it's probably something in that dimmer circuit. I just have to look at it. It goes through the body control module. Where, are you, where are you located? I tell you what, why don't you just go to my website? It's agcoauto.com. And man, there's a map in there from everywhere in the world. Just hit contact and it'll tell you exactly what it is. How you spell as AGCO? A G C O. A G C O. Yeah, and the website is agcoauto. A G C O A U T O.com. All right, I'm coming to Baton Rouge. I live in Denver Springs. I'm coming to Baton Rouge right now, so I'll come by there. But I don't know yeah, we're not open on Saturday. Just give them a call. Not. Give them a call Monday morning. Lane can tell you how to get there and set you up a time and all that okay. stuff. Okay, a- A.G. Still. Yes, sir. All right, thanks, sir. All right, thank all right. you, sir. Bye-bye. Yeah, man. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd sure love to have you. Why don't you give us a call? Be glad to help you out and point you in the right direction. Take one more quick little break and be right back for more. Give me something good to eat. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. He's joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. It's called 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That is absolutely right. And if you think of something during the week or later on after the show goes off the air. Or even next week at midnight. There you go. You can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. That's right. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and... Send it in. The only way it could be easier is if Lewis would come to your house and fix it for you. There you go. <laughs> I don't see happening. So, Probably uh, ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need any information on our company or just information about cars Period. or whatever, that thing is absolutely just oh, brimming, brimming with information. I'm sure you will get tired of reading before you, before you run, out, you of run out of stuff to read. That's right. There's just tons and tons of information. If you want to know about all viscosity or power windows or 
anything. How does like, a PCV yeah. valve work? What does a PCV valve do? How does an EGR valve work? Almost anything you might want to know about a car mm-hmm. or, is on there. Yeah, heaters, brake lights, why your brake lights don't work, why your windshield wipers don't work. That kind of on, a, on, on, on. Kind of a, a generic explanation over the, the course of an automobile. I mean, if you got a specific question there you go. pertinent to your automobile, just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. We can get your questions answered that way. That's right. Or just want some general information of how this particular system might work. Might work, and you can just go to detailed topics. There it is. That's it. Let's go back to our phone lines. Rusty, good morning, Rusty. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out. I got a friend of mine who has a car, and they're trying to get a lot out of it. And I told her, well, you're probably always pretty much cheaper keeping what you got, kind of fixing it. For the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not terribly old. It's got. It's a Chevy Cobalt, and it's got about 125,000 miles okay. on it. There's a couple of error codes. Mm-hmm. And she can't get an inspection sticker, so right. here's the first one. There's a mass air, P0133, I think. Right. And then there's an intake air sensor one. Okay. I don't know the numbers. Right. I just know what she told me over the phone. Right. And there's a misfire code. Now, I don't think those plugs have ever been changed. Right. And you see, Russell, what you would do is don't worry about the first two at all. Go after the third one first because that's an order one code and the other two are that's order a, two. That's a catalytic converter or something, right, if it keeps going on? Oh, absolutely, right. and it'll do it real quick, yeah. too. It may have already done it, but you got to fix the misfire first because the mass air sensor code could be set by the misfire, and so could the – if it's misfiring, the intake vacuum is not going to be correct, which the MAP sensor or the MAP sensor that would both be. That gets through the code, too, because there's correct. a bad one, so that makes sense. You would need to go after those first. Find out why it's misfiring first. Fix that right, and then go after the others. Yes, sir. We're trying to do the cheapest stuff in order, the cheapest the most expensive being the expensive stuff last. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do everything. I'm a little bit of a shade tree mechanic. Mm-hmm. Now, I know enough to get me in trouble, but right. if I don't like doing something comfortable, if I'm not comfortable with doing it, I'm not going to do it. Right. Well, short of changing the spark plugs, I, you know, I have enough know-how to do that. Right. But it, that's going to, if I still have a misfire, then we might be looking at an ignition coil problem. Well, you maybe, need to figure but, out which cylinder the misfire is on yeah, first. Yeah, it's one single cylinder misfire or multiple, multiple misfire. Because are that's those all occur- in one row, the ignition coils, or they're separate? Yeah, forget about uh, the ignition yeah. coils. You need to determine, is that a single-cylinder misfire, or is that a multiple-cylinder misfire? Because Without it, that piece of information, you it spin determines, your wheels. It determines which direction you need to go right. to, to, diet, to fix this vehicle. Right. Okay, you know, if it's a single it. cylinder, then we need to go specific to that cylinder. We right. need to go for the plug, the injector, you know, something in that, to one, that cylinder. one cylinder. But if it's across the board misfire, then you're, going some then you're looking for something like else. Vacuum leak or something right. like that. See, so okay. if it's like a PO301, that'd be a misfire on cylinder one. It's a PO300, it's a general misfire. So you got to know that before you I even don't start. Okay, well, right. well, you don't find that information before you do anything else. Don't and, don't spend a nickel till you do that. And you may find it has a 300 and maybe a specific or cylinder or whatever. Right. And let's say you got a P0301. Well, then the first thing you do is take the spark plug out of cylinder one, move it to number two, move the one out of number two to number one, and go drive it and see if it changes. If it moves to number two, then you got a bad plug. Right. If it does not change, then take the calls and move them. And if it, it's got three calls on it, so if the, if the misfire moves, then you know it's a call. So, so you don't have to start spending money and throwing parts at it. Because when you start buying parts at a parts store, you're not getting as good as you're taking off. And you may be creating a sure. secondary problem. So you've got to know what you're going after. You've got to follow a logical sequence. And you can go to that pretty quick. But otherwise, you're going to spend a whole lot of money and make the situation worse. Yeah, because I tried cleaning it and everything, and I got her to uh, bring it somewhere to reset the codes. Right. And uh, it came back up. So. Right, right. Well, just find out exactly what the codes are, and from there, it's going to tell you what you need to do. 
Okie doke. All righty. All right. All right, Thank man. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to part of the automotive hour. We're going back to phone lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Chris, again, double dipping this morning. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a plumbing service company. I'm looking to buy another truck. Mm-hmm. I was considering the Sprinter, these new little Sprinters, the uh-huh. smaller vans. Uh-huh. Do you all have an opinion? I don't like them, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't work on them. I don't work on any European cars, but the ones I've seen are people calling me, asking me if they can work on say they're having trouble getting them worked on. I would. But I mean, doesn't Dodge make some? No, it's made by Mercedes. They're sold through Dodge. Okay. But Mercedes Benz builds the Sprinter, and it's all European technology on it, which, in my opinion, is very, very expensive and not all that reliable. But I mean, I'm not gonna say it's the worst vehicle in the road, but I would probably find something a little more. I mean, do you need a commonplace? Truck? Do you need a truck that big? Yeah. I need something that's enclosed. Yeah, well, I mean, box you, you can enclose a pickup truck with a camper shell if it would suit you. Yeah, that's big yeah, enough. If you don't need the height. I wanted something not quite as, you know, have that F-250. I don't want something as heavy. I want something that gets better gas mileage. Yeah. I'm not sure what those Sprinter vans are actually getting, especially yeah. if you start loading them down like you got that 250 loaded down. But doesn't Nissan, I think Nissan, they, Nissan makes yeah. one, and I think Ford builds a Transit, Ford, which yeah, is similar Ford's to that. One. Yeah, I don't like those either. Right. Most of the Ford products are having right. a good deal of trouble. But, again, it depends a lot, Chris. If you can afford to buy it, keep it about 100,000 miles, and then go dump it and get something else, you'll love it. It'd be okay. And if you can't afford that, if you do meticulous maintenance on it, you could probably push it out 150 or so. But just don't expect to get 300,000 miles out of it on the Ford. Okay. All righty. Thank you all. Okay, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive. I would love to have you. That Christmas call brings up something that I want to talk about today. And that is I get a ton of people who email, and they'll say, what is the best vehicle? And the answer to that is going to depend like most things. It's not a cookie-cutter and dry. Right. Because the best vehicle is the one that meets your needs and the things that you You're want. Going, right. You it, don't want to go out and buy a Toyota Corolla to pull a trailer with. That's right. And by the same token, you don't want to buy an F-350 to get good gas mileage. Right. So how good or bad a vehicle is is going to be based on a good match for you. Now, that being said, certain vehicles have certain characteristics. Other vehicles have other characteristics. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ask, say, a 22-year-old guy, what he thinks is the best vehicle, he's probably more likely to say one with a lot of technology on it because he likes that stuff. Sure. So that is a good vehicle for him. If you ask me, I'm going to give you an answer from a repair perspective because my entire world is auto repair. Mm -hmm. And what I see is folks coming in, hitting the ceiling when they find how much it costs (laughs) to maintain and fix these newer vehicles. So if I sound like I'm negative against a lot of newer vehicles, that's the reason. It's not that you might not be pleased with it. It's However, from a repair perspective, they're going to be expensive to maintain, and they're not going to do the same things that some of our past vehicles. Used to be you could buy, say, a Chevy Suburban or a Tahoe, and if you took care of it, you could expect to get 300,000 miles. Okay. I just don't think you'll see that on the newer ones. I don't either. The I... cost of maintaining them gets so astronomically high because of the technologies that are on them that you have to do something different. And I guess what the message is is that in the future, the cost of transportation is just going to be higher. Sure. Sure, because of the technology that's being put out today. It's wonderful, and people like it. That's why they put it on there. 
it's not like they're just trying to force what we don't want on us. That when people go to the car dealership, they may say, I just want basic transportation. But what they buy is the is, one that does yak, 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 Right, yak. got all these gadgets because and gizmos. And when that salesman starts showing you this tailgate, it opens and closes itself, and it starts just pushing a button, and it syncs with your iPhone and all that, that's really cool stuff. Well, what goes out of mind is what is it going to cost to fix this stuff when it breaks? Well, that is correct because the cost of maintaining that technology is going to be very, very, very expensive when you get down the road. That's right. One example we make all the time, and that is a vehicle with, say, an eight-speed transmission. Well, it shifts twice as much as a four-speed does, so right. it wears out faster. And the cost of that four-speed transmission, which might have been twenty-two to $2,500, has just skyrocketed. Jumped up to about 8000 when you went to that 8-speed transmission. <laughs> right. So these are things you don't know. You don't even know they're in there. The trash control, the, I don't anti-lock know. Anti-lock brakes. Anti-lock, yeah. this, that, and the other. All these features that are in there. The 15, 20, 30 computers that are on board. Well, and all 70, 70 different computers to run all the different gadgets and gizmos. I mean, if that's what you want and that's what you like, then fine. Just you got to know you're probably going to keep this about five or six years and 100,000 miles, and then you're probably going to end up getting rid of it. And a guy was asking me, so how about if I just lease a vehicle? I said, well, yeah, but what you're doing is you're renting a vehicle. Because they're not giving anything away. They know the same thing that I'm telling you, and they're just figuring the cost in. Sure. You're just paying up front for all that. All right, and when the lease is over, you have nothing. Yeah, you have nothing. You didn't pay any money on repair, but you spent a lot more money for using a car. If you look at your cost per mile or your cost per year or month or however you want to calculate it, it's it's way, way, way higher with that than it would have been to buy a vehicle that didn't maybe have quite as much of that on it, take care of it, and then get on down the road. Right. And we got to take one last quick little break, but we're gonna, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and how to maybe prevent some problems. Sounds how great. to get a little better life out of your cars. Sounds great. Hey, you take one more quick little break and be right back. It takes a cool cat to blow a horn on a silent Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Wow, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco, after 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Still got a few minutes. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. You know, Get we you were, right in. That's right. We were talking before the break about how to make your car last. Right. One of the biggest factors, I think, is the person or persons who work on the car and the type of work they do and the quality of work that they do. And... What brings that to mind, we had a young man who came into the shop earlier this week who had a vehicle, and he was debating whether he wanted to keep it. And 
it was a good vehicle. It was a Toyota Tundra, which right. is traditionally a pretty good vehicle. But it he is. said he had spent a huge amount of money in the last couple of years keeping this thing going. He took it somewhere to have an inspection done, and they had told him he needed repair, which exceeded the value of the vehicle. Right. So he brought it to us for a second opinion, and it did need quite a bit, but a lot of what it needed was reworking work well, that he had just paid someone else to do. Sure. And as expensive as repair is, you do not want to have to pay somebody twice to do it. Exactly. I mean, that kind of defeats the purpose of doing it in the first place. Well, absolutely. And it's actually worse than not doing it in the first place. If they didn't do it in the first place, it wouldn't have any damage. This particular one, someone had supposedly changed the timing belt on it, mm-hmm. which I'm kind of, kind I, of I don't know if they even did that because the outside belt was old. It had not been changed. The right. coolant, coolant had not been changed, so obviously the water pump had not been off. Yep. They had taken a chain wrench and wrapped around the harmonic balance and crushed the little the teeth, grooves yeah, in, little the grooves in the balancer that the belt runs in. So now forever it's going to start eating belts if eating you don't change the, belts. change the tension. Uh, the balancer back out. So now you're into changing a harmonic balancer as well as redoing the whole timing belt job. They had pounded some old, cheap, greasable-type U-joints in, which had failed. Uh-huh. One of them had rust all in it. It was coming out, and they had damaged the drive shaft in the process. Sure. So now you're buying a new drive shaft for $1,100, $1,200, as opposed to the two or $300 it would have cost to, to fix to the U-joints right. correctly. And that's another call we get a lot is, well, how do I find a good shop? Because anybody, just ask them, well, yeah, sure, we're great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what you want is someone, if if I burst this question and said, how many people want someone working on a car that guesses at what's wrong? Mm-hmm. Everybody would say, well, no, not no, me. No, right. No, I don't want my guess. I want to check and test and all that. However, when you get on the phone and you start calling around and saying, how much is this, how much is that, you're pretty much setting yourself up for... That's right. Because the only person who is going to answer that question with a number is a guy who's willing to guess. Sure. He's guessing that you know what you're talking about. He's guessing that that's what's wrong with the car, and he's guessing what he's going to run into. And that's one reason why we do not quote prices over the phone. Because we do not know what's wrong with that vehicle. The better shops are not going to quote you a price on, well, what if it's this? What if it's that? No, bring it in. Let us check the car. And then we'll tell you. It's kind of like calling a doctor. Well, what if my appendix are bad? How much does that cost to fix? Exactly. Well, he has no idea what it costs because he has to check you and find out what's wrong, what kind of extenuating circumstances. You know, you just like the question as simple as how much is a water pump? Well, are we talking about a rebuilt water pump, a used water pump, an aftermarket Chinese water pump? What is it going to take to get to it? Are we going to drain the coolant? Are we going to put the right coolant back in it? Mix correctly. Steel water mixed correctly. Are we going to change the belt? Are we going to change the thermostat? I mean, there's on and on and on. That may be a total ripoff at $200 and be a heck of a deal at $390. Exactly. Depending on how the job is done. So it's just you don't have enough information. And people who are willing to engage in that type of guesswork are not people who are going to fix the car properly. And it's always going to be cheaper. It's going to cost what it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with an honest man, it's going to be an honest price. Right. So what you want to do is take your time and find a guy who has a reputation of being honest and knowing what he's doing. And then the price is going to be fair. It's sure. always going to be fair because he's going to do what's needed and not anything more. Let's go back to our phone. Fred, good morning, Fred. Hey, do the headlight kits to restore the clearness of the headlight lenses work? Yeah, they work yeah. pretty well. And, again, depending on how well you do the job, a lot of them will say you can polish it by hand. I don't find that that really works very well. You're going to need a polishing machine of some sort. 
Go on my website and just type in the search bar, yellow headlight, and I got two articles. One shows you exactly how to do it, and the other one explains all how it's done and all that sort of thing. But, yeah, as a general rule, they work I know pretty there's good. One, there's one made by Meguiar's, two-part, that we use a lot. It works pretty well. One made by 3M that works pretty well, and I'm sure most of them work equally well. It's just what we normally do is you're going to have to start out with a sanding process because what the yellowing is is tiny cracks in that plastic, and dirt and stuff gets down those little tiny cracks. That's what turns it yellow and discolors it. You sand it with like some 2,000 grit wet or dry to get it smooth. Then you come back and polish it, and then you come back and final polish it to get the shine back on it. I like to wet sand it because it keeps the heat down off of them, and anytime you're dealing with polishing plastic, you need to keep the heat away from it. So if you use a, a wet sanding process, it works a whole lot better. Right. And I've got a little adapter that fits into my cordless drill, and it little piece of sandpaper goes on it, and you can sit there with a the water hose and the drill and just keep the lens wet. Or you can do it by hand. And, and polish it, and it works real well. But you need a low-speed polish to get the shine back like you want. You could do it by hand, but you're going to be there probably you're gonna all day. You're going to be a while, yeah. So if I did it by hand and did it all day? Yeah, you can do it. Uh, my, my wife wouldn't aggravate me while I was out there working. Well, now, I can't that, guarantee I you on that. Now. <laughs> now you're Depends on how good a job you do. There you go. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Okay, right, man. Then. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. we still got a few minutes left, and uh, we want to give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And yellow headlights, it seems to be across the automotive world. It is. Well, it's a polycarbonate plastic, and it's designed for about six, eight, years or so and it's going to turn yellow and it's not like the old glass lights that we used to have that lasted the life yeah, of the car you, you throw them away when they blew out because and they were still clear right and some of those lights are i obscenely mean expensive. obscenely expensive yes they are average is probably three or four hundred dollars but i've seen one the other day we yeah, had the, that the aiming motor on an infinity went out and that headlight assembly was twenty five hundred dollars Plus another hour and a half labor to put it well, in. Well, you have to take the bumper off to get it exactly. out. Exactly. And you had to program it when you were through. So, <laughs> yeah, some of those wow. are very, very, very expensive. And it's sort of like we were talking about before, the technology on the cars. Uh-huh. I mean, it's wonderful. You turn the steering wheel and the headlights kind of folly and all that. Not my cup of tea, but I was gonna say, it's we cool. drove cars for 100 years and the headlights pointed well, straight ahead or over in the ditch a little bit. But the, it gives it gives Salem something to talk about. There you, you know? go. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's not going to tell you how much it costs to fix it. Exactly. <laughs> You'll find that on just about every automotive sale. Yeah, that's We're right. not going to tell you what it's going to cost when this stuff breaks. Well, and, and here it is. It's great. It's, when it's pretty. When a person is buying a car, it's really hard for them to rationalize that sure. one day all this be- it is. beautiful new stuff is going to break. It is. And a lot of times people buy cars, they really intend to only keep it four or five years and then get rid of it and get another one. Well, sure. But, but by the time it's paid off. Well, by the time you pay that last note, you're so browbeat. Yeah. Know, and then you just don't have another forty-five grand to throw down on another car. And not only that, you're six or eight years into new technology. That's right. So it's even more advanced then. Not only that, but when you do buy a new car, of course, your insurance is going to go up because you're sure. insuring a more expensive product. Sure. And on and on and on, the cost of oil changes is much higher because most of the new stuff requires a, synthetic oil. It's not a suggestion. It's a requirement. Mm-hmm. They generally have big tires on them, 19, 20-inch tires, 21, 22 in some cases. So you're talking fourteen, fifteen hundred $1,500 for a set of tires on sure. this new vehicle. And on and on and on it goes. And like I said, if you want a new car, you like the technology, God bless you. Get it. Oh, yeah. If you, you know, if that's going to make you happy, then great. Go ahead and right. do it. Just be apprised that when you bring it into the shop, don't get mad at the repair guy <laughs> <laughs> when he tells you what it's going to cost to fix and maintain all this stuff. Sure. And with the technology that's coming around today, the way the, the parts places are dropping 
discontinuing parts. That's right. I mean, it, there may be a point where this part is not available anymore. That's right. And so then, then you're then you're stuck. That's right. Pretty much, car is not going to go without it. So there you are. Yeah. So anyway, I see we're just about getting close to the end of the show. We're gonna start winding it on up. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and. Use your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Well, whether it's Stitcher or Podcast or iTunes or any of the hundreds of other rebroadcast services out there. That's right. You can always go to their refer uh, not referrals. What am yeah, I looking they for? They call it a now, now, now you've got me. <laughs> <laughs> call it a review. A there review. you go. All right. Yeah, a written review. And if you give us a written review, what that does is when the next guy types in auto repair in the podcast search, it's going to bring us up toward the top, higher to the top because uh-huh. we've got more positive reviews. And that makes more people listen, which means we can keep doing the show because if nobody's listening, we can't just keep talking to ourselves. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. <laughs>